0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today.
1: Uh, house. I'd like to start with something uh, funny. An, an old nun who was living... what's oh, that? I'm just going to record it myself too. I know they're recording the back, but sometimes something goes wrong. An old nun who was living in in a convent next to a construction site noticed the coarse language of the workers and decided to spend some time with them to correct their ways. She decided she would take her lunch and sit with them, and so she put her sandwich in a brown bag, walked over to the spot where the men were eating, and then sporting a big smile, she walked up to the group and asked, Any of you know Jesus Christ? They, they shook their heads and looked at each other very confused. Then one of the workers looked up into the steelworks and yelled out, Any up there? No, Jesus Christ. One of the steelworkers yelled back, Why? And the worker yelled back again, Because his mama's is here with his lunch. <laughs> well done. You don't get it. You've been sick this week, darling. That's why it's like, you know. (laughs) They just don't know who Jesus Christ is. Guys, we've got a whole mission to do. People don't even know who Jesus Christ is, the, the name. You know, this is actually very sad. Maybe it's a commissioning call right now. Actually, I think this whole... Morning is going to be a commissioning call. What David shared and what Bonnie shared was actually very, very powerful. And you see this morning how much you're going to be empowered and commissioned into this world. Now, something really strange happened to me last night. I prayed that God would speak to me about this morning because I know what I was going to talk about. But I said, give me something like prophetic or something to say. I don't feel myself as a prophet, but I say stuff, you know, and I see stuff sometimes. And so I dreamt that this morning I woke up and, you know, I had this amazing dream. I dreamed that I was the son of the American president. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was actually walking with Trump, serious. I was walking with him to different meetings and come here son and go to the meetings and go to different in his plane and go different places. I was just amazing. It was so real. He's actually quite a nice guy. Honestly, it was very nice. But you know what it was. I said, Lord, what is this all about? I said, well, the thing is, though, he is one of the highest authorities, of course, in the sense of in the world that that you can relate to and that who is there. And, And to be a son like that, to feel the confidence, the boldness, to open doors, to things that are happening... You know, after last weekend, you know, the Sonship Conference, the whole thing that we become sons and daughters of God, sometimes we can't relate very well. Yeah, God is out there, His Spirit. I don't really get it that much. But the thing is, though, when you are walking with the President of the United States and you see what doors are open and what happens all the time, says, you are my son, you got my ring, Gideon. And the thing is, though, it was so powerful. It was so empowering. I thought, man, nothing is too hard for me, you know. This man, my dad, he's a man. He can open any door. And so what a great, great word for us, you know. When we hold His hand, our Heavenly Father, there's nothing that can hold us back. Nothing that can stop us, you know. So I was so excited. I thought it was a bit random, you know. But that, that's so random that I would never dream that. You know, in the sense of think about that, right. It's not, not like this, right. I'm not thinking about Trump, you know what I mean. And um, so I thought it's so powerful. You know, I love... I love the conference last week. I love what God is doing in these days to grow authority, to grow us as sons and daughters uh, of the Lord. It's just so incredibly powerful. I love that our Heavenly Father has adopted us as His sons and daughters. I love that He has given us a great vision for this world, to develop it and to care for it. I love that He has blessed us in Genesis even 1. We saw to be fruitful and to increase in numbers and to go into the world and fill the earth and subdue it. I love it that He's called us to make the. Of all nations. I love it that he's given us authority and power to change the world into the earth. I love it that he says, Come on, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in heaven. I love it that he has equipped us, he's strengthened us, he's called us, you know, for this task. I love it that he's asking of us, ask for me nations for nations. Yeah. Have you asked for nations lately? Some of these guys have. Have you asked? Ask for Timaru, you know. I, I know some of the guys want to go to Westport or West Coast anyway. You know, we've had it for a while. Keith, and he comes to the West, West Coast. And we've talked for a while to take a team out there. We've not done it yet. And, uh, but we need to do it sometime, guys. Have a revival team. Go to the West Coast, right? Janelle, you want to go? And I know that uh, Jeremy wants to go. And all these guys, come on. We let's, let's go somewhere. I mean, ask for nations. What about asking for our nation, you know? Let's ask for some other cities. Let's ask for Christchurch. Yeah. Come on, let's ask for Christchurch. I love that God has entrusted to us this world, to us, to change and to influence. It is just amazing. I love it that we are king's kids. Man, I really felt it. When I was walking with Trump, I felt like, man, if, if this is like you, Lord, this is I feel such a king's kid. I feel such a royalty. I feel such, wow, this is so incredibly powerful. Thank you, Lord, that we will reign on the earth, Revelation 5.10, that we are called to serve humanities. You know, we are all ministers of the gospel, Amen. Each one of us is a minister of the gospel. Whoever we are, whatever we do, whatever job we have, it's wonderful. I love it that we've all been drafted into his army of love and of grace. It's a glorious, glorious army. Glorious calling. Now, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about the whole area of ministry. What is ministry and who is in ministry? And often, and throughout the ages, the stuff that I, me and Catherine and Josh, and some of the people here who are paid, the staff, you know, kind of the clergy, what they're doing, that is the real stuff. Even missionaries, you know, they are the real ministries, you know. But me, I'm just doing, you know, I'm a nurse somewhere, you know, I'm not a real ministry, you know. But I'm supporting these other ministries because the clergy, they are the real ministers. The rest of all of us, we support these kind of ministries. Even worse... We got the whole thing of laity. We are the clergy and the people in the pews are the laity. Now, I have not seen anything like that in the Bible lately. I don't know if you've seen anything. Have you seen anything in the Bible like that lately? I don't think laity is even in the Bible, you know. I don't even know that clergy is in the Bible either, you know. So what's going on here, really? What I want to ask you right now, because we've had some revelation in the for a while, I would like the real ministers to stand up right now. Come on. Why are some why are some sitting still? That's right. Stand up. Well done, guys. You maybe see that. You get it. Well done. You are the real ministers. This is so incredibly powerful. We are all the church. There's been such a misnomer in the church. A misnomer is a basically an, uh, is a, um, not understanding, a misunderstanding of a of a word, a misnomer, and particularly in the area of this thing of uh, ministry. That people like me, we are the spiritual people. You know, the people in the pews going to work, they're not that secular. They're they're, they're, they're like, you know, we don't do spiritual things. We come to Sunday morning, that's spiritual. We go to work on Monday and it is not spiritual. And you know, this has been a major, major source of rejection and pain for many people, for many, many ages actually. Thousands of years, not just now. For a long, long time. And this lie has caused so much ineffectiveness yeah. in the church for so many centuries. It has dispowered people, disempowered people. And it kind of gave some kind of a pseudo Christianity that we go to church and the ministry on the platform they give me ministry and we kind of sing the songs they are the ministers and I receive the ministry and I go out again and I'm really happy but that's all there is to it to becoming spiritual and the whole thing of dividing sacred and secular it is not in the Bible it was never in the Bible but we have created these kind of things for centuries the church and the clergy have seen it the wrong way And still, much of the church around the globe still sees it, sorry, the wrong way in my view, but I suggest also in the biblical view, which I will show in a minute. And instead of the clergy, kind of my kind of people, being the ministers doing the spiritual stuff, they were called, these clergy, these apostles, they were called to do what? To equip the saints of God for ministry. Who were the saints? You are the saints. Five of you put your hands up. You are the saints. If you're a Christian, you are a saint. You are the ones. Yeah? So we are the ones who equip you for the ministry, for your job, for your influence in society to see his kingdom come. You know, I, I love it. The last couple of decades, there's been quite a lot of emphasis on the seven mountains. The seven mountains of God to influence society. And it's actually really, really powerful. And the seven mountains that people identify are church, the place of influence. is family. It is education. It is government. It is media. It is art and entertainment. And it is business. Very powerful. A lot of our people... All of us will work somewhere in this area, these other are areas of life really. So I'd like to stand right now and read this powerful scripture. All of us will stand and we're going to actually say this together. This beautiful scripture in Ephesians 4. This is from the Passion Translation this time, just to make it a bit different. Amen. There we go. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. May the Lord bless His Word. Amen. You may be seated. The new King James says this, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Guys, this is so core to what the fivefold ministry is meant to do. The apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers are called to equip the church. You are the church. You are the spiritual ones, I'm too. You are the ministers. It is so important. And Catherine and I and some of the others around the place here, you know, we are here to heal you up, to bless you, to build you up, to fire you up, and to equip you for the ministry. We are all in the ministry. I often say this, I've said it for many years now, I love the All Blacks, great win last night, of course. Uh, but the thing is, though, we are all All Blacks in God's army. We are all uh, the best. We are all amazing. And I'm like, Keith, and I are like Steve Hansen. Now, not like Steve Hansen because he can't be a player coach. But believe me, I can be a player coach. And I am, I am a player coach. So we, of course, also get to minister to people. We are in the ministry too. But we are all in the ministry and we just have different roles. The One of the main things that I want you to hear today, and we're going to anoint you at the end of it, but the thing is that I want you to hear when you go tomorrow to your nursing job or being a mechanic or whatever you do, you are on your way to your ministry. It is your ministry because you are a minister of the gospel and that makes you being in ministry full-time. You are as much full-time in ministry as I am full-time in ministry and Catherine and George and anybody else. And I want you to feel this. I want you to know this because one, it really empowers you, but two, it also puts responsibility on you. You can't get away with this. You can't pay me to do the ministry, and you just go out and have a lovely life and do whatever you want. You can't do it. We are all called to ministry. I've got one role, you've got another role, but we all have a role. Amen. Okay, that's some people. Oh, it's good news, isn't it? Why don't you say to yourself, "I am a minister," and I'll tell you, tell you, tell your next to neighbor, "You are a minister." See, we are all sent people. We are all ambassadors. We are all gone for Christ. We've all been commissioned by him. Now, you may agree to this. You say, okay, yeah, we are a missionaries into this dark world. This scary, secular, dark world. I used to think that, actually. Scary, secular, ungodly world. Well, it is. But like we're called into this world. And, and yes, we are meant to be light. And it's good. We've signed Jesus, you know. But the work itself is evil. It's corrupted. It's secular, and this is not ministry, really. Really. Let me talk about a theology of work. Now, it's a big subject. You can do four sessions on this, but let's just let me just give a few highlights on what it, a theology of work. All of us spend most of our waking time in, in the day, waking hours, into some kind of job, some kind of vocation. We spend our lives in the service of God and of humanity. Amen? But sometimes we can wonder whether our work in the service of man and economy and business is actually spiritual at all. Now Jesus called all his disciples into ministry. And if every believer is a minister then every vocation is a ministry every job is a ministry because you are there because you are the minister because you are called by God into this you know I love this when Jesus says many times Jesus says when he did some act of kindness some work here visited a prison here uh, gave up a cup of water here whatever you do you did it unto me it is ministry I love it. It's the ministry of my mechanic who fixes my car with integrity and with ethics and safety and accuracy so I can drive safely on the road. When he does it unto the Lord, it's a ministry. It is a powerful, beautiful ministry. The builder who builds a beautiful home for me or for you or for anybody else, he is a minister. He does it as unto the Lord. In the end, we are all in ministry. You know, even the government, it's called ministry. The ministry of foreign affairs, the ministry of social development, the ministry of whatever. It's called men, why? Because they serve us, they serve the people. We are called to be ministers to this world. Now you may be a businessman or businesswoman, and you say, man, says, you know, business person is not just to make money. And a business person is also not just to make money to give to the church. Although I know that in particular business people have this potential to have unlimited fi- finance because they can invest and things can accelerate maybe differently than it's the wage you get, you know, you can give a wage and you give money to the Lord, That's all good, we all do that, but the thing is there's something about business people, they can actually really do something amazing, so there's, there's a sense of calling in the sense of being able to create wealth, you know. But the thing is, though, sometimes, you know, what's happened, and I I had this in the church a while back, in our church, like five, six years ago. I had somebody in the church here, and and they gave a lot of money to the church, very generous, for many, many years. And the thing is, though, nobody ever really thanked them for it in the sense of really endow them and really honor them for their ministry. And when we had a service like this, about five, six years ago, came forward, and I prayed for him, and I, I saw this picture. I said, you are a general in the army of God. Tears started streaming down. Nobody ever had affirmed him as a minister, a minister. The church, while his money is wonderful, he gives money, that's what you're good for type thing, but not affirming him as a minister, as a ministry, and that his work is amazing and what he does is amazing. Man, it changed his life. It changed my life because I was so touched by seeing what happened in his face, these amazing things. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. We are not just to witness in our work too. We're not just witnesses in our work, and the work is bad. Work is made by God. Work is good. Your work is an act of worship. When you go to work, it's an act of worship. When you're an electrician and you fix people's house with electricity, it's an act of worship. Please see it as that. It's not just a job. Work is not evil, even before the fall. God says in Genesis 1, right before the fall, he was going into the garden. Adam and Eve were working the garden. They were farmers in the garden. It's not bad. Now what did happen, of course, is that the earth was cursed. And what happened then, that the whole thing, the word of toil came in. Like toil is not a very nice word. So people had to work and there was like a toil element, element to it. Toil is kind of this whole thing of, um, what does toil mean again? Where am I? Somewhere. I lost myself. You <laughs> haven't done a thing anyway. It's on there. Just have a break, Just ad break, for a moment. I've I've gone somewhere and I don't even know where I am. You know. Anyway, toil is kind of hard work. It's like uh, it's like uh, like you feel like you're uh, having to slog it. You know. And that kind of stuff. Now, there is a sense of that in the world today uh, with this. But the thing is, the work in itself is from God. It is good to work. Actually, Eugene Peterson says this. The Bible begins with an announcement in the beginning, God created. God did not just sit there majestically, you know, in his throne, whatever, you know, and do nothing. He made, he fashioned this beautiful world. It's just absolutely beautiful. And he worked for six days, and then he had a rest on the seventh day. It's amazing that thousands of years later, we still have the same format. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Right. Now, God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired. We, we are called to do that because we can only do, work that much and we get tired, you know. But there was some more to it. What did he do? What did he do after he created everything? What did he say? It's good. He actually found pleasure. In what he did, he found pleasure in what he created because he is like that. And he has made each one of us like this too in his image. The scripture talks a lot about God as a potter. God is revealed as an architect, as a weaver, as a builder, as a farmer, as a garden, as an artist, business person. He is amazing. God is a worker. It is part of his character and part of his being. And he's called each one of us Also, to be a worker. It's beautiful. Each one of us, each one of us has got God-given talents and giftings. And to be creative. It's just beautiful. To engage in purposeful events in our lives. It's who we are. It's what we do. And I tell you, if we don't do it, then we rob ourselves And we rob society from the gifts that God has put in our lives. And that's actually quite hard sometimes when we get unemployed. When we get unemployed and we get a redundancy, it can actually be not as a financial problem. It becomes quite an identity problem. It can be quite a problem of emotional and mental issues in our lives. And that's why we even as this church, we want to really support people who go through that. And today, if you don't have a job, Maybe you're unemployed for a while because maybe God's doing some stuff in your life. Maybe you're working through some stuff or maybe you're getting some, you know, work on yourself or whatever. But maybe you don't have a job and you need to stand with you. At the end when we anoint you for your path in the workplace, you come forward. You say, hey, I actually need a job. Actually, I know you like a job like this. Just tell them. Just say what you want. Say, man, because I'm made this way and I'll tell you in a minute. But go for that. Go after what you need in your life. Amen. Now a few myths and then we're going to pray. A few myths I want to blow out of the water. One is that, that's where it was, I was looking for this, um, that, um, that the myth is that work is a curse. That, that's, why, that's where it came. And I, was, I was ahead of myself. And, and the work is a curse, so that the work is bad. And we saw before, that, that before the fall, that we were called to work. We were called to tend the garden. It was beautiful. Now, after the fall, again, there was this, this fall. There was this, this uh, toiling, this cursing in the ground. And so we see some kind of a toiling, which is the struggling and the slaving away type thing. But God, for God, work is a blessing. Now, one of the things we also have basically inherited is from the Greeks is that work is bad, that leisure is good, right? right? It's Aristotle, you know, because what they do, they had the system that the wealthy, you know, they were the whole day, they were just looking at meditation, and engaging in philosophying the whole day, and they had the slaves do the work, right? And so somehow this has come into our society, that really the whole thing is work is bad, and leisure is good, but I tell you, Life without work loses its definition. You actually lose yourself and you get into all kinds of trouble. And don't we see this in our society? Corruption, abuse, all kind of abasement. The second myth is that the only reason we work is to make money. It is not the only reason we work. Uh, A Gallup poll um, has done a poll And they saw that like 50-60% of the people who became multi-millionaires through inheritance or through lotto. Now many of course went off the the wall because they couldn't handle the money. But the thing is though, they saw that over 60% still would continue to work. Not necessarily the same job, but they will continue to work because work is part of what we do. We are called to work. And it's beautiful. Sociologists say that work gives life meaning and makes world, our world, a better place. Now, the third myth is that work is not spiritual. We already kind of touched on that before. Work is not spiritual. I love this in one Timothy four. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. God loves the person who invented penicillin. God loves the person who invented and are inventing at the moment cures for cancer. Not a person, a good friend of ours died this, this week. Somebody who started the church with us here. Not even 50 yet. I hate cancer. we got to find something. I know it has to do with eating. I get that too. But it's something that we have to find. God loves it when we find those kind of treatments in the world. God loves it when we, the person who, who, who invented Teflon, so the eggs don't kind of stick to the pen, you know. and Those kind of things. God loves when he invents his that, You know, everything, is, there's so many things that we are still looking for, finding in creation. Inventions are happening all the time. God loves it. I'll tell you something else. Also, God loves it when it's not a Christian. Because God loves everybody. Amen. Now, he may, they may not know him yet, but he loves everybody. I was this morning starting my daughter's car. This is v and it's like, I started to go straight away in the cold. You know, all this ice was on the, on the car. And then it just really purred. It was just a beautiful golf. It just, it just so beautiful. And I was thinking straight away about this message. I thought, you know, it's so, it's so beautiful. VW, God loves VW. God loves the beautiful cars because people make beautiful things. that get better and better and better and better. Airplanes. I mean, can you imagine how any airplane goes down? It's amazing. we go into the air for 10 hours, 14 hours, right? And there are thousands of them right now in the air. Hardly ever anything happens. It's unbelievable. Humanity invented this. God already put it there, but we're kind of finding this out. Now the thing is, of course, a lot more things can be found out through you and me. There's inventors right now in this room. Go ask God, like I had a dream last night, ask God for formulas. For one, it could make you very rich and you can do stuff for the kingdom. And two, it can really help humanity into solutions for problems that we have. I know many stories like this, that Christians ask God for these kinds of things. Come on. And God loves it when we find those kinds of things. He finds pleasure in this and I love it too. Wow. Remember the story of Liddell? It's an old story I know, but it's so powerful. Eric, Eric Henry Liddell, the Scottish athlete, rugby union international player and missionary who was forced because of his religious belief he would not run on Sunday. So in the Olympics in 1924, he did not run the 100 meters, which was his favorite one. He did not run it, but he says, I can run on Tuesday. I can run the 400 meters. He got the gold and returned after that to China and served in China as a missionary and died in a Japanese camp in 1945. But I love what he says. And most of you have seen the video and the, 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 the film, and I, I didn't want to show it this morning because many of you have seen it already and just of time. But he says, I believe God made me for a purpose. That was actually a bigger purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now I want to ask you, what, what makes you feel your pleasure? What, what, what pleases you? God loves it when you are happy in your running, in your stuff, whatever you like. I love when, when Matthew talked about the whole thing like Jesus lives in us all the time. He won't get away from it. He does, he does everything we do, you know? All the bad stuff and the good stuff. He does it all with us, right? And He loves all the good stuff, you know? The bad stuff is irritating. You know, but the thing is, the good stuff, you know? The good stuff, He goes with us, you know, when we go down a roller coaster, wee, here we go. And, you know, He loves it because He loves us, He loves everything that we love. And so, what is the pleasure that you find? What is something that you really like doing? Go and do it. Some of you are not doing what you want to do. Well, try and find ways to do it. Because you've been gifted in a certain way, God wants you to be happy in what you do. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. (coughs) What what gives you pleasure? What gives God pleasure through you? Amen. God finds pleasure when you find your giftings, when you find your talents, when you start doing the stuff that he has wired you to do. You've been all wired very uniquely. And God loves it when you find this and you start working on this. You get better and better in this way. Amen? Amen. Some of us have walked away. Some of us has walked away from this. Maybe through disappointment, or maybe through I can't do this anymore, or maybe you've never even dared to take a step. Now, I suggest after this morning that you say, Lord, I'm going to make a step. I really want to go that way. I'm here. I get that. But I want to go there. I really feel for years that, that I want to do something like this. And maybe this morning can give you a permission to do some stuff, even in the world. Because you think of a secular world, Lord, I shouldn't be doing this. It should be spiritual stuff. No, everything is spiritual. Everything God puts in your hand is spiritual. You make it spiritual. You're a minister of the gospel. You're a son or a daughter of the living God. So go and do what God has called you to do, for goodness sake. Go do it, man. Go be happy. There's so many people unhappy. Go be happy. By the way, did you know that many people are actually happy in their job? Very high percentage are happy in their job, which is very interesting, isn't it? Wow, it's so powerful. Some people ask me, you know, Gideon, how do you know what to do in life? I don't know what to do. You know, what has God given to me? And I love that scripture in Philippians 2.13. It says, it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. I love the other translation that talks about God does the willing and the working in your life. I always tell anybody who asks me, what am I supposed to do? It says, what do you want to do? Because God will already have put something in your heart to do. You're wired a certain way. You've been gifted a certain way. You've got some kind of desire, some kind of heritage. You've got some kind of whatever. And God has wired you a certain way. So go and follow the inclinations. It's not that difficult. People take way too much time. What do you want to do? Go after what gives you pleasure. And of course, in the end, we'll give him pleasure. Wow. The plumber who fixes my water cylinder. Give God's pleasure. The builder who built a new home gives God pleasure. The dentist who fixes our teeth gives God pleasure. The student who develops his or her gifts gives God pleasure. The teacher who teaches others to learn and grow gives God pleasure. The unemployed person who uses his time to serve others or learn new skills or work on addictions or whatever they're going on, it honors God. It gives him pleasure. The homemaker who keeps the home running for the family gives God pleasure. The business person who scores a powerful great business deal gives God pleasure. And what happens too is he, he or she will then employ a whole bunch of people. It gives God pleasure. The nurse who looks after the patients gives God pleasure. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do. Whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whether you eat or drink, 1 Corinthians, and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen? Do it all for the glory. I'm excited about this. Are you excited about this? I love it when you guys find your niche, when you're not anymore a a round peg in a square hole. Because some of you still feel that. And some of it is because of your own fault. You just don't go after what you really want to do. You let other people tell you what to do. Don't let other people tell you what to do. You go and tell God and tell yourself what you want to do. And ask God and tell God, Lord, you made me this way. Open the door for me in Jesus' name. Come on, don't just kind of sit back. You're not a victim. Come on, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a son of God. You can go after these things. You can pray. You got get people around you. Go after the things that God has given to you. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are royalty. We are king's kids. We are king's kids, but we are also priests of creation. God has asked us to serve creation. We are priests to serve our fellow humanity. And it's absolutely beautiful that we can do this, both inside the church and outside the church. Amen? Everything. Everything. It's just absolutely beautiful. We've all been ordained. You want to know you're ordained? It says in the Bible here. Look, John 15, 16, and then Paul will come up. You didn't choose me, Jesus says, but I've chosen you and I have commissioned you. The King James says, I have ordained you to go into the world to bear fruit and your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake, he will give it to you. I just spoke about this. He wants you to make a change, a difference in this world. He wants all of us to bear fruit in this world. And he says then ask God. If you don't have a job that you want, ask God for the job. Miracles are always in his presence. Come on, you can go after this. It's just amazing. I would love to ask Paul to come and give you a testimony uh, in this area. Come on, everybody give it up for Paul.
0: Thanks, thanks, Karin. <clears throat> I'm not the guy that Gideon talked about, uh, but I do have a story. Um, About 30 seconds after the earthquake that happened in September, I knocked on Murray's door and said, uh, and he came to the door wide-eyed, and I said to him, I think we'd better have a cup of tea, Murray. (laughs) And so we went inside and had a cup of tea, and I thought, well, i better go and see what my house is like. So I got to the bottom of the road up our hill, and every house was destroyed, and half the the road had fallen away into the valley. I got up, came up the driveway, and there was Kelly and Issa standing in the driveway looking up at our house. And then there was an aftershock, and we looked around, and we saw a house uh, over the valley collapse in a a cloud of dust. Um, So it was quite exciting days. Um, But then a few months later, we saw these big machines going... And all these beautiful homes were just being torn down and thrown in the dump, and we thought, what a waste! <laughs> and there was at that time there was a real shortage of rental properties, and so, um, and so a wee, bit, a wee bit of time went by, and then we saw that some of these houses were coming up for sale as as is houses, and we thought that's interesting. We went to a couple of open homes. And, uh, and then we looked at it and we thought, oh, do we dare? The skill required and the dedication and the effort required to actually take this on. I thought, well, with my Christian life and everything, am I really prepared to do that? And then Gideon had this um, anointing for everybody. And, and he spoke about um, how that the content of our life is spiritual. There's a spiritual content to it. And also that in this person, um, I carry the life of Christ, so, and I thought, and that really, really meant a lot to me. and And we went forward, and Gideon um, um, anointed us, and uh, and that liberated me to go ahead. and Nikki and I had this idea. We were mulling it over: will we do it? Won't we do it? Will we do it? Won't we do it? And we felt a release to do that. Yep. And so that was the beginning of our adventure. And uh, we, the the, fact, the Clark family put ourselves in top gear. And off we went. And over the next two years, God released a house to us. Every two months, we were able to repair them and rent them out. Uh, the, the one of the amazing houses that was actually advertised as Munted. And um, we, if two months later, we were getting a thousand a week for it. Someone offered a thousand a week to stay in it. And that house is now rented out at five fifty a week. It was an executive home, beautiful home. Um, God just gave me the ability to walk into a house and say. Yeah, I know what to do. here. Yeah, I can fix this. <laughs> I don't know, I just seem to have a supernatural ability just to walk into a house and say, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> and so all these houses, we never spent more than about, um, about $10,000 repairing each one, and then they became beautiful rental homes, and they're absolutely amazing homes, uh, unbelievable. And, um, and I, one of the funny things was, um, quite often I'd walk into an auction, and there would be Doug sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> And guess what houses we were going for? We were both going for the same house. Happened time and time again. But you know what Doug said to me? Bless his heart. He said, Paul, what price do you want this house to go for? And I said, I said I'm, going to go, I'm going to drop out at this price. He said, do you mind if I take on after that? And so that was quite amazing. What a graceful man. Um, I felt like I was getting in the big league, sitting next to Doug. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, just that was just his heart. Oh, well, we, were, we, were, uh, we brought quite a few houses in, in Brookhaven, and, and, uh, and I thought Nicky and I were going to be the mayor and merriest of Brookhaven. <laughs> but I found out Doug brought more houses in Brookhaven than I did. So, <laughs> so that, that went to Doug and Vicky. <laughs> um, so it was just an amazing adventure over two years. And uh, you know when I you think of um, I, I could write a whole book on all the miracles that happened during that time, um, but I, I can't share them here. Um, but. Uh, you know, dealing with um, the insurance companies, the banks, the lawyers, the, you know, all those, and council and all those things we had to do, deal, dealing with anyone was a nightmare, but God just steered our way through all this maze of things that we had to go through. You know, we could have come unstuck anywhere along the line. People were still running scared. The ground was still shaking and quaking, but we felt strongly the leading of God to do this. And now we've come out the other side and we've got, um, I've got 10 houses and Johnny's got three. Johnny and Kelly have got three. And they're all freehold, and uh, God just came across with all the money and everything at the right times and just sort of guided us and took our hand right the whole process. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that if God starts something, He will provide all the miracles that are needed to see the job finished. Because why would He start it if He doesn't plan to finish it? You know? And so back over my life, I can trust God because I've seen Him do it so many times. And while you think about, it, I, I did this when I was over 60. <laughs> so you think of all the possibilities in your life between when you're 30 to 40. You know, Are you brave enough to take God's hand and with the ideas that Gideon was talking about, to go ahead and say, okay, God, here we go. Let's get on this journey. It's an amazing adventure. I think I started this Christian life because I thought it was going to be an amazing adventure. And, but you've got to be brave. You've got to take God by the hand. And um, another thing I remember, uh, oh, uh, um, David Moot is starting out on an adventure now with the school he's brought, and so he's, um, he's finding out lots of miracles that God, is because God started it, and he's finding out that God um, is providing the miracles that he needs to come ahead with it. Uh, <laughs> it was really funny, we were sitting in, um, in a meeting, and, and David was telling us about this great opportunity this business opportunity or well, not a business but a, you know the ministry opportunity and he said oh what and I said what a that's a great price you're getting that for and David said keep your hands off it Paul <laughs> 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 you're not buying it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we we're thinking about a lifestyle block at one stage but never mind <laughs> uh, so it's just been an amazing adventure and just to so to, to, you know and I think too that um, Gideon and Catherine you know nine years ago, they were brave enough to take God's hand and, and, to, and to see this wonderful church being uh, built. So, uh, amazing. so, you know, so let's be brave in God and see what wonderful things are going to happen with our lives. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, also, that was another amazing thing. So God has a plan right from the very beginning because after we'd actually completed most of this, we were able to sit down at a restaurant in Thailand and offer a salary to a Thai couple, Thai pastors. And they had had a prophecy on their life several years before saying that God was gonna raise up a business couple uh, that was gonna support the ministry. And so there we are. It was a God moment where God had put us right through this. He quadrupled our wealth and he quadrupled our our salary in and, uh, and, and two years so and you know I was even had enough money to be able to pay for the stage here <laughs> when Gideon needed some money so so that was
1: just amazing right, so that's right. That's right. yeah okay
0: thank you, thank
1: you. Well, come on give it up to Paul <laughs> to, the, to the Lord come on he stepped out come on he stepped out come on now surely this is a word for somebody now I like you, Paul. When at the end, could you also please come at the end uh, to pray, and also David, um, because some of you want to do a business ventures, and, and you kind of thinking about what to do, and or not to do, you know, whatever. And these guys will anoint you because I think this is very, very powerful. I'm almost done. You know, it's amazing that the word vocation in the the verse vocation means a particular occupation, calling, business, inclination, impulse, a particular activity or career. The root word of vocation is vocare, or voice. It's actually a call. It is too cold. We've been called by God, but it also means it's your voice. It is the voice that you have. I think it is so powerful that each one of us have a unique voice. Paul just shared about his unique voice, voice that was, that was activated when he heard the word of God, when he heard this kind of stuff and he put faith into the whole thing, it was activated in his life. And I love this about this, this beautiful testimony. There is no sacred and secular. There is no clergy or laity. We have all been commissioned and called to be ministers of the gospel. We are all in the game of life, fulfilling our unique calling, contributing to society, serving the world as priests and kings, declaring our unique voice, making a difference, and we honor God with this. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to actually commission you. There's going to be a commissioning service now. And so it's very exciting. What we're going to do is uh, we were, a whole bunch of leaders will be here, about 15 or so. We have all oil, each one of us. And what we'd like you to do is you basically form who you want to be prayed for, who you want to pray for you. And then basically um, you will come and then you will tell what you do or what you would like to do. Maybe you're unemployed, you want a job. Or you want this business thing, you know, you want something to activate something. Whatever God puts in your heart, whoever you are, whatever you do, we want you to come. We're going to anoint you with oil. Maybe that could be a prophetic word. It won't take too long because otherwise we can't go through everybody. But we're just going to bless you, anoint you, and commission you, ordain you for your work. For you as a minister in this city, in this world. And wow, you will, you will feel such pleasure from the Father. As you've been prayed for as you and i pray today that it will change some of your lives in a profound way that it will accelerate dreams in your life visions in your life that you've had for a long long time that dormant or somebody kind of shot at it you can never do this yes you can i was walking with Bill, with not with uh what's his name trump thought bill johnson somebody else that's this week will be bill johnson but there's another another key leader but the thing is though and and you know nothing was impossible nothing is impossible nothing is impossible